What's wrong now? I just can't with this. I am so over it. I'm tired and I'm just fed up. Well, what else is new? Hey, this is Michelle Spivey, your Practical Priestess of Wisdom, and I want to welcome you to today's podcast of Wisdom Smack. So join me on the flip as we get into Stop Being So Fed Up. Yes, I'll see you on the flip. Okay, so don't worry. This is not going to be one of those macabre episodes where I'm down in the dumps talking about how bad we feel and uh, and all this kind of stuff. Oh, no. I am going to help you and help us to get some wisdoms that um, I have thankfully been able to receive about this whole state of, as my mom would call it, being in a funk. Yes. Okay. So... Let me just let me just have a quick rundown of uh, how this came. This episode came to be. Now, there's an artist I've been following some time before she actually broke out, and her name is uh, her stage name is Lizzo, and um, she did an uh, a recent interview that I watched, and my heart just went out to her and all the people in the comments, and it was because um, she was having I, I think she was not having a good day or a good time because she she talked about being you know anxious depressed and some things and she had this one statement that stood out that I was just like oh no 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 baby girl we got to work on this and the reason why it stood out is because I actually when I heard her say it I was like that's not what she said and I kept listening but when I went down to the comments so many people picked that one thing that she said out of that whole interview out and they uh, kept repeating it in the comments. And many of them were like, I am with you. I feel the same way. And I was like, oh, this is not good. Okay. So let's break this down. What she said, and I'm paraphrasing here is that she, uh, Lizzo said, life doesn't give you a chance to let your guard down. And I was like, oh, my heart goes out to you. And on this channel, I've talked a little bit about, um, the locus of control and it's how you view your world, whether or not you see your world as a friend or a foe. So there are two general types. We have internal and external. And on the internal, this is where it's about you. You believe that you have the power to uh, change anything that happens to you with enough effort, enough belief, and enough drive. And so you make your fate, you make your way, and you make your life. On the external, this is where uh, you believe that the fates or things happen and that external influences help to dictate your life. And so the far, the prior one, the internal one would be where you view wor- the world as your friend, or even in some cases, if we're dealing with grandiosity, you view the world as your servant. <laughs> but on the other side, the external locus of control, you view, view the world as um, an opponent or even a villain. All right. And what I'm going to say is based on what this channel is about and finding the wisdom, I'm going to say that both of them are right and that we should walk the middle ground as much as possible and only use either or when it works for our benefit. All right. So if you'll permit me, I'm going to take a look at 
a term that is attributed to this state of affairs that a lot of people find themselves in. And I could go on and say all of the statistics that they're proving now that we have the highest occurrence and incidence of depression, anxiety, panic, stress. Um, But I also say this too, and that they are starting to track misinterpretations of what these uh, maladies are and that a lot of people are believing that their depression, anxiety, panic, and stress are really cases of intense and unattended to boredom and idleness. Yeah. Now, it doesn't mean that you're lazy. I'm not saying that. It just means that some people are mistaking idleness and boredom of the mind and emotions with that of other things that have clinical application and diagnostic tools to um, be able to address, okay? So because of that, I want to bring up this term that we use, and I want to, if you'll permit me, go through. So we're going to go through a little etymology, and then I'm going to, you know, go through a little bit of history, if you'll if you'll permit me, and if time, time takes it, okay? So the term that I, I want to use here to describe this situation that I'm seeing and that um, was dis- described and that I saw in the many comments below the interview that Lizzo made is called malaise, all right? And malaise came into fashion around the 1300s. It, of course, has its roots um, going from French uh, all the way back, you know, as we are tracking it to Greek and uh, Latin and all of those things. Okay, so what malaise is, is it is a general discomfort or unease that, and get this part, that is not easy to identify where it comes from. Okay. And so when you look at malaise, malaise has two parts to it. The first part being mal, M-A-L. The second part being A's, A-I-S-E. And A's, we'll take that one because it's the easy part. And that's what it literally means. It comes from ease. So ease would be simple or easy. And the mal part, that's the part that I really want to deal with. Because if you look at a word and how often it's used, it can have a life to it. That's why when words fall out of favor and out of disuse, they call them dead words because they have they don't really have a lot of energy to them anymore. All right. But malaise is around and it's, it's, it's doing well, you know, um, not on, in some small part by those in the health and emotions community. All right. So Mal, M-A-L, let's break that down because this is part of the um, base of the word. This is this is the spirit, the energy of this word. And so I'm just going to tell you, it shares that base with a lot of horrible words. And I would encourage people, if you're feeling malaise, shake yourself, wake yourself and get out of it. Like my mom was like, get out of this funk. And so in malaise, you have, these are other forms of it. Blame, blasphemy, blasphemous, dismal, malady, malaria, malediction, malfactor, malefic, uh, malef- maleficence, um, uh, malevolent, malice, malicious, malign. Oh, yes. And it goes on and on and on with the mouths. And going back to the uh, Greek of this, it could even mean treacherous, idle, unhappy, and the mal 
M-A-L is a Latin verb that also meant badly, bad or evil. Well, the old Irish just used it when they used it. They said it meant destruction. And then it could also mean uh, lie or sin. And where we get that word blaspheme, the mal, it means to slander, meaning to lie against, to mistake. And so a malady is a lie. It is a mistake. It is um, treacherous, but it's also a ill ease, a dis-ease, and an illness. And so that is another reason why I really kind of wanted to deal with this today. To, to help us understand that we have powers, we have abilities to shake ourselves out of this. Now, you might be saying, or maybe not, but if not, I'm going to want to answer it and deal with it anyway. Why is it that so many people find themselves with this um, state of being now? And I'm going to say it's because of part of the word meaning idleness. Uh, in the old days, they had this term that an idle mind is the devil's workshop. And if we look at it, where we are in um, this time of rec- the recording, we have only had about maybe a hundred years of industry. And I mean, we didn't even have a hundred years of industry before tech- the technological uh, revolution came about. So yeah. Um, and the reason why I say that is because prior to the late 1800s, People didn't have a chance to be idle. They just didn't. You were either inking out a living on the family farm or you were working very hard to help support the family. And the quote unquote nuclear family was um, a twinkle in someone's eye. No, a family was a working unit of people. And the reason why there was a live birth, it was not about rejoicing and all my little cutie cutie. No, it was like another a hand to help. Yeah, it'll be another mouth to feed, but another hand to help. So much so that the concept of love wasn't even really in vogue until we started getting industry and able to mass produce food. Most people, they save the love for their dalliances and their consorts and, you know, and they married for strength and for what people could bring to the table to make a strong family unit. So yes, that's, you know, and I'm not talking about arranged marriages. I am really just talking about marrying for the betterment of uh, the propagation. That is why a lot of people married for, for bronze and beauty instead of uh, brains and that kind of stuff, because they were like, we don't have time to, um, we don't have time to lounge about. You have to work because the winter is coming. We got to make it through the winter. And it was all about survival. It wasn't until we started thriving at the turn of the century where we got industry. Um, You can see that with instead of walking, bicycling or carriages, we now had the automobile or the automated horse. And with um, not only that part, it was a locomotive explosion. So we had the automobile, we had the train, we had uh, the airplane, and all of these different things that not only helped us to have greater ease of movement, but they shortened the time by which um, industry could grow. And uh, because not only were they able to help us, but just like carriages and um, uh, carts, 
They were able to carry things. The railroads became synonymous with growth and expansion because they carried um uh, they they carried energy and coal and and, and all of these different things uh, around the the United States. And now, you guys, I'm gonna have to say my scope of of, of inclusion here is gonna have to stay to the United States because I'm not that well versed. So if you're listening from another country, do this, you know, supplement what you need and uh, substitute, you know, if it doesn't apply to you. Okay, so I, I I'm not trying to ignore you guys. It's just I can't speak on what I don't know. <coughs> Excuse me, you guys. But with that, thank you for letting me go down that little history. And so now you've got your two world wars. And on the second world war in um, this hemisphere, uh, we were feeling a little good about ourselves. We had won. We had some prosperity about us. And it was a golden time. So from the 60s all the way until the 90s. You had that 30 years of goldenness where people got to live the fantasy of the 60s where the nuclear family was powerful. And then in the 70s, they ended another war over here that wasn't so good for us. Um, And, you know, with the Korean War and everything. And then in the 70s, you started getting the dark side. People started delving into into that. Uh, You also had the flower power love of the 60s into the 70s. But then in the 80s, everybody was like, "Okay, we're growing up. We got to go to work. We got to make it. And so we moved into and that was when the jump happened from industry to technology because by now IBM is putting a computer on every desk and we have automated typewriters and um, things are able to be done quicker and more efficiently because you're taking a lot of the human error element out. So in the 80s, now you've got more people being able to do more. And even though they still worked as long as they worked, when they were off, they were really able to be off, meaning that the industry did not stop at the business. It uh, propelled into personal life, like the grocery shopping experience, uh, being able to afford enough for, for, for other people to do your laundry. Dry cleaning took off in the 80s and 90s because people had more discretionable income and they needed it for their white collar jobs now. And so you had a lot of things taken over. All the while, In the 80s, with companies like Atari and Nintendo and all of the others, they were moving. Well, I know Nintendo was moving from radio into gaming because now you got to have something to take care of your kids while you're working. And so it goes on and on. I hope you can see where I'm taking this, that with each decade, we moved further away from being forced to use all of our waking time to ink out a living to where even though you might spend a lot of time, quote unquote, working, you have a lot of time to be idle. And with idleness, that is the devil's workshop. There's a book I've mentioned many times here called Napoleon uh, on it's written by Napoleon uh, Hill, and it is called Outwitting the Devil. And he talks to this allegorical tale of uh, having a conversation with the devil. And when he comes down to it, the devil says, there are two main ways I'm able to, quote unquote, snatch people's souls. And that is by the fears that they have, you know, fear of aging, of death, uh, fear of poverty. But this is the bigger one, the idleness, being idle. And, um, you know, 
not having f not not having uh, a direction, and that is what stuck out the most uh, when I read that book. and And it's a quick read. I encourage you to get it. Uh, but yeah, so we are we have moved into a time where because we have so much automation and technology that we don't realize it. We have <laughs> we have Google um, to do a lot of our our search for us. I'm old enough to remember having to learn the Dewey Decimal System and getting those cards out of the card deck when I was a little kid to go just to go find a research book. I remember having encyclopedias as my point of reference for when I had to do reports and and begging my mom to drive me to these different places to actually go search out knowledge and having to get special cards and permissions to be able to see and go into certain libraries when I had a big paper to do. And now you don't have to go anywhere, sit right at your house and get access to anything in the world. Now, some of them might be behind a paywall, but still you can get access if you want. And so I'm just showing you that drilling it down, we have had more opportunity to not have to worry about inking out a living and how we're going to do it and never having a chance to stop and breathe and whatever. And so it is and, and and it's not a hypothesis. It's a belief or a school of thought that the less you have to uh, strive to thrive, the more you are susceptible to uh, maladies. See where we come back to the malaise of illness, physical and otherwise, uh, whether it be clinical or whether it be um, emotional and social. And so there have been many studies that have been talking about the rampant increase of people who have clinical depression, anxiety, panic, and stress, as well as, and this is the part that I, I want to bring up, because if you have clinical issues, then that's one thing. But this is geared more so towards those people who are just, I'm just so over it. I'm fed up. I'm, you know, whatever. This is more towards you. And that is that there are a lot of people who are believing that they are depressed, they're anxious and, and, and all of these things. And what it is, is a, a bad case, an impacted case of idleness and boredom. And so uh, it can masquerade as those, those depressed thoughts and feelings and having apathy and idleness. Um, but be aware of that. Okay. So I want to touch on some things uh, before I let you go, because this is about being practical. And that is that with uh, having this, I'm so over it uh, kind of situation, we, we see it, we see its prevalence in our society, even in the, uh, the colloquial colloquialisms that we use, the slang and things like, I'm just so over it. I can't with this. You're canceled or uh, can you don't and all of those different things. And it really does speak to the side 
of the way that the pendulum has uh, swung. Whereas you had happy, happy, happy from the 40s all the way to around the 80s. Now we have swung over in the last 40 years or so to the life sucks, <laughs> you, know, you know, side. Even when social media started coming out really strong, it only lasted for a few years where everybody was trying to say how wonderful their life was. Now, and you guys, I apologize about my um, allergies, but now it is where people have no problem. I mean, the vulnerability, what? They have no problems talking about how bad it is for them in a very public way on social media for the world to see without filters. And, you know, so it is real. I'm not going to make light of it, but it is real. But I'm going to tell you, if you are not a, um, clinically depressed person, there may be some things that you can do on your own. And so in this, these last few minutes that I have with you, I want to just be very practical in this wisdom. And I'm going to say this, and that is that if you find yourself feeling like dull is the only shine you know, or maybe you have this constant numbness about things, you can't get high or low. It's just numb is your norm. Or maybe if you feel like life really doesn't ever give you a chance to let your guard down, like you're always hypervigilant, then this might be for you. And I'm going to say this. A lot of times people are in different forms of shock. And when I'm talking about these types of shock, I am talking about where you have constantly um endured something that is out of the ordinary, that has depleted your resolve to be able to have a normal and maintain a normal baseline. Basically, you've run through all of your ability, okay? And believe it or not, having um, idleness and boredom, it takes energy to sustain them because you're using a lot of energy to press down and um, to avoid and uh, not deal with things. And that's why, you know, being quote unquote fed up over things and, and stuff like that is not necessarily giving you any type of help. It's hindering you in the long run because you take away the mind and body's ability to continue to be strong uh, when it deals with different obstacles. Now, I've talked about the importance of obstacles. I've even talked about the secret gifts of boredom and how if you feel bored, and, and first of all, you got to be able to recognize it for what it is, that that is, it's not supposed to be something that you wallow in and that you stay in. It is a warning sign to let you know that you need to up it. You need to up your life force. You need to up your expectations of what you do with your life and you need to get energy back in, back in the flow. And so I'm going to just say this, and that is that if you find this situation, you might, like I said, be in shock. There are two general types of shock that we find in the system when this happens. And there is uh, mind and body. So the mind part would be the sympathetic shock that happens in the mental region, in the thinking region. This is when you are constantly mind racing with thoughts, but you can't seem to get anything done. And thus you feel numb and you're like, blah, whatever. And you got a case of, you know, whatever, you know, um, 
what I want you to do with that is if that be the case, then I want you to quote unquote do things to get back in your body. Um, they uh, a lot of times do physical things, whether it be moving your body by um, exercise or, or dancing or crafts or something, but get back into feeling all of you, all of you, the, that makes you live and makes you la- uh, laugh and like go see comedy shows, watch comedy, but bring yourself back down into your body so you can stop cycling out and uh, overrunning your mind all the time. Well, if you're on the other side in the body where there's the parasympathetic system, nervous system, the vagus nerve and the gut area, solar plexus area, you know, where you feel the butterflies in your stomach and and all of that kind of stuff. That's where the parasympathetic nervous system is. And if that is in shock, then you need to wake yourself up. And that might mean that you find things that are of challenge, meaning that uh, you learn a new skill, whether it be uh, deciphering code, coding, uh, making puzzles, uh, doing things to d- uh, discover and solve great mysteries, but getting yourself reactivated in your mind. Because what this is really happening is, is you're having a case of fight and flight. And for some, most people, if it's gone on for any amount of time, you're going back and forth. So you're not one or the other. Oh no, you're both. And so you're cycling from the head to the body, you know, racing mind. And then all you want to do is cocoon. Then you're, you know, racing with the frantic energy again. Then all you want to do is cocoon. And so make sure that you take heed of that. And the next thing that I want to say is this, find someone to talk to. You know, not everybody in your life is made for the deep conversations. And I'm going to say that The telltale signs right now that a lot of people don't have this support system in their life is that everybody is like, I don't have time. You know, I can't. I can't with you. You know, if you're causing them too much stress, you got to go. I got to clean out all of the negative in my life. But they don't even realize that they're part of the negative, too, because they're guilty of the same thing. And that's being shallow. You know, sometimes you have to realize that these people cannot go as deep as you need them to because they can't hold a space. They can't sit there with you as you cry, as you hurt, and just be able to endure it. And so if that be the case, I'm going to encourage you to make use of free or paid services to get professional help from people who are able to do that. People who have put in the time to become emotionally stable and mature to help you through your your malaise because it is an illness. It's, It's a lie. And sometimes you need help to break yourself out of the lie that your narratives have told you. And then that's the last thing I want to say with my last few precious minutes. And that is make sure that you don't mistake good for being great. You might be saying, oh, Michelle, that's not me. But I want you to take a panoramic view of not only yourself and your friends, but of your life. Are there areas where they've deteriorated to the point uh, where they're just minimally viable, just getting by? But you look at them, you say, oh, that's good enough. Whether it be your health, your emotions, uh, your general outlook on life, or whether it be the state of your home or, or your car or whatever. If you honestly take a look with the filters and the blinders off and you can say, oh, 
this is this is this is not good for me up up the ante up do something to attack one at a time because good really is the enemy of great because in good a lot of foolishness can hide a lot of just barely making do that's what we call it the making do it tries to masquerade itself as being good or good enough. And so do not get stuck in that trap. If there is an area that you know you are not fulfilling or you are not at the point where you feel good about it, focus and fix that. That will give you something to work yourself out of this bad case of being in the funk and the and the blahs and the blues. And do not always think, that life is here to be a pugilistic assailant, pugilist meaning fighter, uh, punching. <laughs> Don't believe that life is always against you. There are times when life is your biggest cheerleader. And especially when you take the offensive and you say, you know what, life, we're going to make something great. You got my back, move on. I mean, even, even if you can't do anything but manage to read The Alchemist by uh, Paulo Coelho, and where he talks about when you start to follow the desires of your heart, the universe conspires to make it so. And that, to me, lets me know that we can have that internal locus of focus where it's up to us to make the best of our world. You know, even the statements, when life gives you lemons, make lemonade, that is made from an internally locused, uh, a focused person. And so change it up, get out of the idleness, break down the boredom and fight, fight. This is a time to fight, fight for what is real and for what you can do. If you find yourself saying, I'm so tired, I'm just over this, I'm tired of this. Look and see if it's because you haven't committed to follow it, to stick to your bit, to play your part. If you've done everything you can, then yes, it's time to move on. But if you are looking at it as a you didn't give me what I was expecting kind of thing, and now I'm bored with you, you see how we bring that back, bored, and I've or I've lost interest in you, then it's not the issue, it's you. And you have to strengthen your commitment to see it through. You have to employ some dashes of grit and tenacity and perseverance and all of those things. And I'm gonna tell you, when you stop being so fed up with stuff and you start moving forward, your confidence will build. I get so many people ask me, how do you build confidence? By doing this kind of stuff. Your self-reliance, self-assurance, self-definition, self-identity, so many self-things are going to increase and you're going to be the better for it. So guess what? Yep, my time is up. I thank you for yours. This has been Michelle Spiva, your Practical Priestess of Wisdom with another podcast of Wisdom Smack. And so I love you dearly, darlings. And guess what? I'm going to see you tomorrow. Bye. And that's going to do it for today's podcast of Wisdom Smack with Michelle Spiva. If you like this podcast, please help us get the word out. Like, comment, subscribe, and even share. And if you really like it, 
please help us continue to get the word out by considering using this show's link for Amazon. So when you want to go to Amazon and you do all of your general shopping, uh, please use michellespiva.com forward slash AMZ. It's simple as that. It doesn't cost you anything extra. And this show might receive a little bit of commission that will go towards helping to further get these episodes out to you and to others. So thank you so much for listening. This has been Michelle Spiva with Wisdom Smack. Bye.